The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the nightmare good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink, Ron Kolick. Ah. Anyways, all the way from across the pond is Mr. Parascience himself, the man who knows everything, Stephen Parton. <sighs> Good afternoon, Ron. How are you? And I'd like to start with an apology this week. Really? Yeah, I, I have an apology on behalf of uh, last week's guest, uh, and I'd also like to spare a moment to send our thoughts to to uh, Sean, the ghost detective, who was rushed into hospital a few hours before the show last week, uh, and I managed to get in touch with him. He's He's been in quite a bad way, so... Uh, oh. Hopefully he'll get better soon and be able to join us, but our thoughts do go out to Sean. Um, so I should take back all those ba- nasty things I said then. Yeah, carefully, might be listening. You didn't say anything nasty. <laughs> <laughs> i got to keep my image up, you know. Yeah, but our thoughts too, Sean, who's uh, oh, he's having quite absolutely. a difficult time of it at the moment, so uh, yeah. best of luck to him. You know, I mean... It's stuff like that. I mean, we, we deal with, I mean, it, it, it must happen to you, too, when you come into something like a life event like that. I mean, you've you got to think about the uh, afterlife a little bit. You just can't let it go. I mean, you really, you know, your, your mind starts going that way. Um, I guess so. Uh, I, I try not to think. I don't really think about it, to be honest with you. Um, well, have you ever had a life often. event? No. I haven't. I've been very, very blessed. Um, I, I've managed to get through uh, the last 50-odd years relatively unscathed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, so I, I far, mean, I, so far. You know, you know I, I, I've had many in my life, so, uh, uh, you know, it's, I've got a different perspective than I, I first, when I started, so. I mean, you know... I spent a number of years as a nurse, um, and I got to see the best and the worst uh, of of people's life experiences, and indeed share many of them. Um, and it, it does alter people's perspectives. Uh, it does it does change your your point of view. Um, but personally, I've been I've been lucky. I've been blessed. Um, and I, I thank whoever there is to thank for that. There you go. 
I always had a laugh because when Richard came over, well, I don't know, it's not really laughing, I guess, but it's peculiar. Um, when Richard came over, I don't know if you know, Richard Gillett had uh, a bout of cancer. Yes, yes, I was aware of that. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, when they give you radiation, they put these little tattoos on you to line you up, to line up the machines and stuff. And, and of course, my wife went through the same thing. So they had matching tattoos, so they were they really bonded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anyway. Did he, no, offer anyway. To sign any, did he offer to sign anything whilst he was there? That would be typical Richard. <laughs> I think he signed my butt, but I'm not sure. I can, I can, imagine, I can imagine what happened when they turned the... Uh, the scanner camera on, uh, at the shout of action, Richard would have got his lines wrong. <laughs> oh, pick on my friend. I, I miss him, you know. I haven't seen Richard for... Oh, God, it's been... must be nearly two years now. Um, really? And I'm, I'm... Yeah, I miss the old guy. Um, so, so, uh, so soldiering on. He's doing something in Northern Ireland uh, around Halloween this year. Uh, at the Crumlin Road Prison, uh, the Crumlin Road Jail. Um, as you know, uh, Richard has his own his own prison cell. Um, I don't doubt it. <laughs> no, he's uh, he, Derby Jail. Uh, over Derby here Jail. In, uh, over here in the UK, which he runs. It, and you, uh, it, Well, before, let me interrupt you for a second. Speaking of Derby Jail, do you know that we actually did a uh, broadcast where... Richard, uh, we did a video broadcast because the, the jail is all video wired and everything, and people could look and see Richard in the cell, and, and, and we had all these cool experiments going on. We did a, a live broadcast uh, on Tojanet. It was cool. Uh, yeah, I know the I know the jails. I know the jail pretty well. I've, I've, I've uh, visited it on on a number of occasions. In fact, Richard and I made a DVD together uh, in Derby Jail with Anne. Uh, so you want to be a ghost hunter, I think it was called, and I think we sold about five copies, uh, eventually. I am more than that here. <laughs> oh, so you were the one that bought the others, the other yeah. three? <laughs> no, I inherited them from his trip. Oh, you inherited them. Oh. <laughs> I think I've got one somewhere. Uh, I used to have a copy of it somewhere. I don't know where it's gone. Yeah, when you come over here, I'll also give you a copy of his book. Yeah, the one that I wrote the forward in. That I've never, he never, never got round to uh, giving me a copy of that one. Well, Richard's so. a busy man. But Very yeah, busy. It's called, it's called "What Is a Ghost." In fact, I, I have a little piece in there as well. So they have the um, the ghost plumbers there and uh, a bunch of other people too. So kind of cool. I, I don't know if that's you or me, but you've gone very very quiet there. Can you hear me now? Uh, you're still very quiet. I don't know if it's something I've done. I don't know. Oh, well. There you go. I can hear you now, so... Better? Uh, yeah. I've adjusted my volume, so I guess it must have been my end. There you oh, go. Oh, sorry. Perhaps it, was, uh, perhaps it was water in the cable, because uh, tonight, I think we have an aquatic theme, don't we? Yeah, see, you know, that's the interesting thing. First of all, we don't have to worry about a guest not showing up because I didn't book any. So, I mean, that made it really easy. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that, you know, that solved that problem. You know, that's what I do. I solve problems. Yeah. And you mean you forgot? No, no, I didn't forget. I just, uh, you know, 
I looked at a couple of themes, and evidently there's so many radio shows now that people just don't like to be on radio shows anymore. Um, but anyways, that's their last not ours. Um, but last night, I managed to watch on Discovery Channel um, the Mermaid's Body Discovered, I think, or whatever it's called, and then the Mermaid's Body Discovered New Evidence. The, the original one was played last year, I believe, and then um, they came up with the New Evidence stuff, which was it was a cool, really cool show. It was uh, I was tired, so I just laid in bed and watched it, and it was, it was fun. Okay, but okay. I started thinking about it, and I said. You know what? Could mermaids or some type of aquatic um, uh, human exist? And I started thinking about it. I tried to. I put out a couple calls to you know some experts in the field if there is such a thing, and uh, wasn't able to get anybody on such a short notice. But hey, that's the way life is. But. First of all, I want to, you know, this is basically, I guess, falls on the, the the thing of cryptoids, right? Yeah, cryptos. Oh, well, it's all part of cryptozoology. Yeah. So, I mean, I think of all the paranormal scientists, I think, to me, cryptozoology probably has the most credence in that we are discovering new creatures all the time. Okay, is this heading in the big Bigfoot direction? No, I'm not saying Bigfoot. I mean, there are new species of, of different animals uh, being discovered all the time. Everything from insects in, in the uh, Amazon to new uh, fish and other creatures from under the sea to, you know, uh, new even some new uh, um, birds that they believe they discovered. So, I mean, so evidently... It's more plausible that that creatures could exist that we do not know about now. Well, I can't dispute that, and and certainly there's. You know, I, I was reading uh, only recently uh, about some, uh, but the 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 number of new species that are being found, uh, mm-hmm. but most of it is, is insects, uh, but right. also plant species. In fact, it was only this week they've uh, discovered that. That they're not new species, but species of uh, rudimentary plant life that have been frozen under the uh, glaciers in Greenland um, have started didn't, to. Didn't the Russians find some new in the uh, on the Antarctica uh, when they're digging? Uh, oh, the Lake Baikal. Is it Lake Baikal? Uh, oh, they God, haven't, I'm, not, they ha- I'm not good with names, Stephen. Yeah, you know they that. haven't got down to it yet. Uh, there was also a British team, a uh, British Antarctic survey team, also trying to uh, drill down to the lake because there's around about, is it around about uh, a kilometre or more down below the Antarctic ice cap is a uh-huh. lake uh, of liquid water that is right. believed to have been trapped for over 10,000 years by the ice cap above it. Um, and I think the, the, there's a Russian team and also a British team uh, are both uh, trying to drill down in order to sample the water to see if there are any uh, new species or older species, more correctly, 
uh, that have survived. Um, and that indeed, I remember reading about the extensive protocols that they've put in place to prevent any f- surface contamination on the equipment oh, yeah. uh, and in the samples. But I was also reading this week that as the, uh, with global warming, as the uh, glaciers uh, that are covering Greenland uh, are receding. What scientists have observed is a green sludge or a green tinge to the glacier. Uh, and w- upon sampling it, they discovered that it's a, a rudimentary form of plant life that's oh, been uh, frozen for more than 400 years uh-huh. since what was termed the Little Ice Age, which ran between the 17th se- 16th century and the 19th century. Um, and as the glaciers are starting to retreat, these 400-year-old frozen plant specimens are starting to regenerate. Interesting. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned Hello. about... Can you hear me all right? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, but there was no... It all went very quiet for a moment. Really? Yeah. No, oh, that's weird. Paranormal, it must be. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the the, the plants uh, in the uh, or specimens, whatever they are, in the under the Antarctica, and you mentioned them as old species versus new species. But in reality, uh, that might not be an accurate uh, description. Okay. Because, uh, well, because uh, who says they didn't evolve? So if they evolved, they would be evolved into new species versus from something that was from, say, prehistoric times. Um, you know, so those would be really new species versus, on the timeline, versus an older species. So it could be a new species. Well, well, they, it, well right. it would be a new species for science. Um, well, no, I, I mean, I, on, on the I, timeline, for, for instance, say... It yeah, I get the point. I get yeah, the point yeah. perfectly, okay. but... You're still talking about, I mean, all species evolve, man, uh, insects, plants, animals, you know, we all evolve. And so what they're looking for is a line of of plants or animals beneath the uh, frozen uh, ice cap that hasn't been known about for 10,000 years and has been locked in below the ice for more than 10,000 years. So... I was, I was, you know, being new to science but old to the planet is what maybe make it more uh, a bit of clarity. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess. I mean, uh, anyways. So speaking of of that and the mermaid thing, I want to go back to that. And for those who haven't seen it, I posted the link to the Discovery Channel's uh, video collection, and there's 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 oh, a bunch of them on there. There's the original one, which is the mermaid's body that was discovered supposedly on the beach by uh, a couple of kids. And then there's a newer one where uh, some Danish scientists working for the Iceland government was uh, mapping the ocean floor, and they have evidence of uh, mermaid. And then, of course, there's a supposedly a Israeli town has offered a million-dollar reward for proof of the mermaid and this video by an American there of a mermaid supposedly in the water. So, And then, oh, wait a minute. we can't forget about the British. The British supposedly doing, uh, the British Coast Guard doing uh, man-in-the-water rescue 
uh, came across a live mermaid too, according to this program. Uh, well, we're not short of mermaids here in the UK, and um, one of the the main areas of mermaid reporting is actually where I am uh, in West in Wales. Wales. In really? Wales, we we have a history of mermaids going right the way back to the 17th century and beyond. Um, not very far away from here, uh, from where I am, um, in a coastal town called Pendine, uh, a mermaid was reported in 1603, um, and he he was one of the local yeomen, and he summoned others to watch it. For, uh, they kept watch on it for for more than three hours, but. Uh, for for a number of years, I was involved after I moved down here um, in an organisation called National Coast Watch, uh, essentially a, a form of auxiliary coast guard keeping an eye on the waters uh, around our coast, uh, primarily for small craft safety. Um, and we would regularly see uh, dolphins and seals. We would we would also see uh, basking shark. Uh, sunfish they're, they're quite common to our waters because the Gulf Stream sweeps sort of north and westward and bathes the west side of, of Great Britain and so we do get these very large uh, unusual sort of maritime visitors uh, you know the large whales aren't unknown and in fact even the occasional great white shark if anybody's um, in Pembrokeshire this week on their holidays um so, these, you know, in the water, a quick glance, uh, are they seeing a mermaid? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I mean people believe, people believe they had it. You know, the, the, the folklore and the stories of West Wales uh, is absolutely uh, stuffed full of mermaids uh, right along the Welsh coast, and indeed right around the British coast, but you know, uh, focusing on the area where I am. Um, you know, there's been numerous accounts going right the way back to the 17th century, um, even uh, as recently as 2011. There was a report from the same area, from Pendine, uh, where uh, a, a sighting of a mermaid was seen. Um, I remember one one amusing story that when I was on the coast watch one day, we had a a large uh, we'd had some heavy rain over a course of a week or so, which isn't unusual for us. Um, and the rivers had swollen up, and between the islands that are off the Welsh coast here, uh, there were some very large sections of tree uh, that were rolling around in the swell. And one of them um, looked very, very like. Uh, as, as the branch rolled in the swell, it, it it kind of looked like that famous picture that you've all seen of Nessie, you know, the uh, the the snake-like head appearing out of the water. And my job was to let the coast guard know about these you know, these large lumps of wood and tree that were floating through the sound and were actually potentially going to endanger the small uh, day fishing boats that were that were that traversed through it. And so I was on the phone to the coast guard just as the door to the watch hut burst open. And uh, a woman rushed in, breathless, uh, a voice raised, Oh, my God, quick, quick, there's a sea monster. Um, so the really? Coast Guard, 
Yeah, I, she'd seen exactly what we'd already what we'd already seen, which was these logs rolling. But the way it was rolling in the screen, oh, she'd okay. seen it, and she came racing through the door, screaming, "You know, help, help! You know, look, there's a, there's a sea monster." Um, and the coast guard, I had to ring off and calm her down. But the coast guard, uh, the last thing they said to us, "You've got to call us back and let us know what happened next." Um, and so we, we settled her down and we, we gave her a pair of binoculars and showed her what it was. But, yeah, I mean, even today, you know, that's from my own experience. People will have these uh, sightings um, and, you know, it's very, very quick to jump to conclusions sometimes. But maybe, maybe they did see a mermaid, but she definitely didn't see the Loch Ness Monster. Well, do you know what the, what the one of the theories is that... Um we one branch of the human uh, species evolved to the sea versus, uh, I guess it's with a water ape theory. I guess they called it on the show, uh, where we returned to the sea. Where supposedly we came from the primordial primordial sea, uh, we returned to it. And they they also one of the things they said: if you open your uh, hand, put your hand out, and you see the web between our fingers, uh, that's an indication where we evolved from. Uh, okay. Uh, you realise that everybody listening to the show or the podcast has just done exactly that. What's that? Check their web in their fingers? Yeah, everybody has had a look to see if they, uh, they've got webbed fingers. Um, and you do. And, and, and indeed you do. The medullary ray, it's called. Um... And we all have them, and uh, mm-hmm. I think I think they they it's I, I've never really thought about why we have them. Um, mm-hmm. You'd think as a nurse, I would know I would know why, but they're there nonetheless. Um, I guess it'd probably help with swimming and grabbing things and climbing up and down trees and uh, doing all the other things that we need to do. Yeah, but so, uh, and that's part of I, evolution, correct? Uh, well. All, Everything we've got is part of evolution. Um, I, I don't know why. Why would we, uh, if if we evolved back into the sea? I don't see any evolutionary advantage to doing it. And evolution tends to work in a in, in a a way that's beneficial to the organism. So well, I, I, this, I I wouldn't. Well, what they were saying is that we were. Um, water fishers. I mean, we went to this, the coast, and we would catch fish, and we became more involved in the in the water. Uh, so yeah, but what would just, be the advantage to going back? What would be the advantage to go back? Well, I mean, for protection from predators. Yeah, but there's a thermal problem. We'd freeze to death within a few minutes uh, unless the unless they it evolved a completely different way of regulating their body temperature. Um, and if you look at the the description of the mermaid, um, they they you know they they're not described as being abnormal apart from obviously the bottom half, which has got a tail. So there's no additional layers of body fat, which you do see in other. Uh, seagoing mammals such as the the seal and the 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 dolphin and the whale uh, the walrus these all have you know uh, this additional thermal protection this blanket of body fat which you know you don't see fat mermaids um you don't see them depict and you don't well, see fat 
fat blubbery mermaids depicted in in any of the the, the classical images of them either. Um, in reality, what, the, the bottom half is the, the, the fish, and on the the bottom half is is all fish. I mean, basically. So I mean, you have that fat tissue. Maybe that's some type of regulary, uh, you know, thing. And the other thing is, according to this thing, they have like ridges in their head, which allows for a breathing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all conjecture. Uh, well, what what would what do mermaids eat? Did it? Did it? I mean, Fish. you know, I, I can go with I, I can go with you know the the idea but let's play it out let's let's okay. see where it takes us and let's look at the problems and and you know the program has cut the, the idea has been put forward that that uh, genetically a, a race of humans has backward or has evolved to use the sea as its primary um medium for living in um, oh, maybe it's a separate branch altogether maybe we didn't evolve that that particular species didn't evolve to a land uh, species, but stayed in the sea. Well, why did they develop? Why did they need arms and ears and the things that you see on pictures of mermaids? They said they wouldn't work very well. I mean, the human ear is rubbish underwater. The human right. eye doesn't work underwater. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, why so I mean, in, in reality, would they have those? And if you look at the footage on on this program too, they had like different eyes too they had their eyes were totally different uh, the hands were of course were uh, webbed uh, yeah. so I mean it, basically we're talking about extended uh, flippers aren't we also missing the, the the front steering mechanism in the form of the dorsal fins and the I think know, it's the ridge the ridge in the head is is what they were saying that, you know, I mean, this is all conjecture, of course. I mean, we just... Oh, yeah, but I'm just playing... I, right. I, I'm, I'm just... Playing devil's you know, advocate. No, you're absolutely right. Well, it's a good way if, to do if it. this is the theory, if this, if this is the hypothesis that there is an evolutionary branch of the human uh, gene, genetic line that's that's developed to, evolved to go into the sea, I mean, nature has already done it, hasn't it? Nature has perfected a series of shapes that are perfect for living within the ocean. Um, you know, big mammals, um, and they don't look like us very much, do they? No, they don't. So, you know, I, I'm kind of guessing that evolution has decided the perfect form factor for a maritime aquatic existence, um, that we're not, you know, we're designed for something completely different. And welding the two together or joining the two together... Uh, I can only think, really, of one other instance in, in nature where two completely different types of animals seem to have been joined together, and that's the duck-billed platypus. Uh, you know, because the front half of it is a duck, it lays eggs, but the middle bit's a mammal. It's got webbed feet and it's got claws. Um, I, I rather think that a human mermaid or a mermaid would look more like a botched-up duck-billed platypus. And, and, and the new the new pictures they're not these beautiful uh you know you know the old myth ones where they're they're a woman on the top they they're actually they you know they have no hair they have yeah. um they have uh, a ridged head they have a large re 
red glowing eyes if it, it appears in the light. I don't know what that means. Uh, and their arms are, are uh, webbed. I mean, their hands. So it, it, it's a little different than the, the, the regular image that we, we kind of think of as a mermaid. It's this beautiful woman on a top half. Sort of like, you know, like the mentor. Uh, no, Manitar or whatever. Well, anyways, there's a tune, so we got to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Mr. Cryptozoology. <laughs> Hardly. Yeah. And Ron Kolick and Steve Bosses. We'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tokenet, RX, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokenet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul-searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Ghost Channel and beyond. 
if anybody has an opinion on mermaids or any type of cryptozoology, uh, give us a call at uh, 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. Now, I don't know if you knew this, uh, um, Stephen, but, you know, P.T. Bottom had mermaids in his uh, circus. Mm, he did. Um and there are, um, was it, was it Ripley's, Ripley's Believe It or Not exhibitions also were, in fact, mermaids were very, very common um, in the vaudeville, uh, not the vaudeville, the boardwalk. Uh, freak show. Freak shows. Yeah. Um, I, and indeed, I think it starred in an episode of The X-Files. Huh. We, uh, we, we have a question here. Um, <laughs> Should I ask it? Which character no. from the Little Little Mermaid does Ron like the most? Uh, never saw it. Can't help you there. Oh, no, well. I haven't either. It's a Disney film, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is. Maybe somebody can enlighten us. Yeah. But you talk about cryptozoology, but uh, you know, out here in West Wales, we're also at the moment we're in the middle of a big uh, of a big cat flap. That could have come out badly. That came um, out really uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, it came out really badly, didn't it? Um, <laughs> but there is a, a lot of sightings of large, uh, sort of large cats. Um, some of them have been reported by wildlife protection officers. Uh, and indeed, I, I spoke to a gentleman uh, several weeks ago who had a very up-close uh, sighting, separated only by his patio glass from this large uh, feline. Uh, he said it was the size of a German shepherd, and he had a two- or three-minute look at it. He ran to get his mobile phone camera, but unfortunately uh, it didn't hang around to be photographed. But we have a, a rash of sightings of it, um, or of them. There might be more than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back, go back uh, over about two or three years. Uh, with, with some of them are actually, you know, quite credible, um, quite plausible. Um, I say police officers, wildlife protection officers, uh, farmers. You know, uh, they've all reported these animals, these large felines, and I, you know, I guess it's possible, and, and certainly. These are the sort of people one would expect to know the difference between a fox or a domestic cat and something large. Yeah, uh, they would. I mean, those those are the ones. But, I mean, there, there have always been reports by reputable people uh, in all of the paranormal. I mean, uh, policemen have seen UFOs, policemen have seen ghosts. You know, policemen have seen Bigfoot uh, and whatever else that's lurking out there in the darkness. Uh, so, I mean, we've always had those witnesses. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't believe that, you know, the, the difference between, uh, you know, any of them. I mean, it, those witnesses are there. If we just, you know, look for them, they're there because there are reports if you go through you know, start doing some research on any of those subjects, you'll, you'll have them. So. Yeah, I think uh, one of the problems, the, one of, the, one of the, uh, the difficulties I always have with that is they always, they always claim that these, these people are trained observers, um, you know, that they're um, in some way better at observing what's going on around them or better at observing the detail 
Um, they might be trained to report stuff uh, mm-hmm. and experiences, but I don't think they're any better than anybody else at the, the task of observation. Right. Um, but yeah, they, don't, we, don't we quote them like they are authorities on, oh, on witnessing? I, I mean, in terms of reliability, one, one would certainly expect that a serving police officer or an airline pilot or a member of the military uh, would have more to lose uh, and would be less inclined to make up or confabulate a story. Um, but in terms of... Um, we do uh, give them an additional status as an observer um, or their ability to observe is enhanced. Uh, that's, that has been tested um, and has been demonstrably proven not to be the case. They're, they're human like the rest of us right. and they might be very good at writing down their experiences or documenting their experiences, but they're just as bad at uh, having experiences. You know, they're... They can be tricked every bit as easily as everyone else can. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, um, in terms of the farming population or an animal protection officer, uh, one one would reasonably expect that they would know the difference between a domestic cat, a moggy, uh, a fox, or, you know, a larger uh, predatory feline, like a lynx or a puma, which, which is the species most often... Uh, uh, said to be wild in the UK. And we do have uh, some very strange native populations here in the United Kingdom. We we have a a native population of wallabies, um, small kangaroo-like creatures. Uh, Absolutely. Um, uh, Are they they native to England or were they brought to England and escaped? They they, they were brought over um, and... Uh you know like like in fact like the domestic like the rabbit uh, like our rabbit population they were brought over by the romans as a food source and uh you know got out uh and became native we've got mink we've got wallabies uh there were some very credible sightings during the <clears throat> i think it was the 1980s uh the british policy on the private ownership of dangerous animals was changed um, and there were actually some properly documented uh, cases where the owner of a lion or a, you know another large predator uh, couldn't conform to the or didn't want to conform to the dangerous animals the dangerous wild animals act and they did in fact let the thing go um, people often you know suggest that maybe more of them were let go than than was ever imagined and they formed a breeding population and there is some very very interesting uh you know you know evidence that's come forward you know good credible sightings a lot of the photography is unfortunately without scale you know a cat a cat is a cat is a cat and unless you've got something in the photograph to scale it against um, you've got no idea whether you're looking at a small cat close up or a big cat far away um, but it's the credibility of the witnesses you know people who you would expect to know the difference do consistently report you know seeing these large felines um, I don't know if there are any credible mermaid sightings um, you know, I, don't I know, know that any... makes it difficult I mean if you look at this this program that you know they're saying okay there there's this guy from Noah and this guy was a scientist and and they uh, have seen him but 
Uh, I think at the very end of the program, if you look back, it does say in the credits somewhere that it is a dramatization. Yeah, dramatization. I can't even say that. Um, So, I mean, but you're right about that, about species not native to a country escaping. I mean, of course, in in Florida, there was a uh, reptile farm that was uh, totally flooded out and destroyed by one of the hurricanes down there, and now there are all these anaconda and boas running around the Everglades, uh, and they are real. Uh, so, I mean, there are species of uh, fish that have been traveled uh, from, you know, Asia to America. That are, and mollusks. Mollusks is another one that, that uh, destroying the, the population in America of certain uh, uh, fisheries because of the things they eat and everything. It's so I mean the ecosystem is is being mucked about, and so it, you know it's possible there could be some type of a, an evolutionary thing that we never knew about that is now uh, being forced into an area that was never uh, you know they were never in before, and they're now being seen. I mean one of this this program in fact uh, talked about the the Navy sonar program and how it killed a lot of whales, but it also killed mermaids too. So, uh, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. I mean, if you think that they uh, communicate acoustically like a whale does, then it, it does and could happen. Uh, I, I admire your optimism. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, the idea that, that the U.S. Navy and the Royal Navy submarine sonar system uh, is responsible for the sudden wiping out of the mermaid population of the planet is, a li- is pushing things a little too far. No, I'm not uh, saying that. They, 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 that's why there are evidence now that there wasn't before, is what I'm basically saying, because of this. Oh, right. Um, but if we, I mean, it, let's let's stick with the aquatic theme for a moment, because yeah. uh, one, one of the things that... that uh, I think we've talked about before when Gordon was on the show, um, and which you know I do have a, a, a more than a passing interest in is is uh, Gordon was talking about the Loch Ness monster, but we have right. some very very credible reports that again go back to uh, the Dark Ages and beyond, and particularly off the West Wales coast of sea monsters, um, so sea serpents, right. um, and. You know some of some of the witnesses there. We've we, there are attested uh, accounts from the officers of uh, the ships of Her Majesty's Royal or he, the King's Royal Navy, as it then was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reporting encounters with the sea serpent, sea serpent, or the kraken. Um, and you know these these accounts are actually quite common to the British West Coast and the American East Coast. Um, so. I, I think it's perfectly possible for you know there's still to be undiscovered large and when you know forget the nematodes and the mollusks, but I still think it's perfectly possible for there to be large undiscovered uh, species within the deep oceans, uh, well, species that one, may well come in come in closer to shore periodically. Didn't one wash up on the beach in in the UK somewhere? There's a yeah. documented case. Uh, not somewhere uh, very close to here, and quite recently, um, a few months ago, you you have over in America uh, there was there was a, 
a monster washed up at Montauk, I think, on the New Jersey coast. And it was called the Montauk Monster. Um, and over here, about 10 miles from where I am, uh, we had, I think, a close relative of it uh, washed up some months ago, uh, certainly within the last six months, called the Tembi, the Tembi Devil or the Tembi Monster. Uh, it was... It was cleared away by the local council. Uh, they dragged it off the beach and buried it. Uh, but when you actually look at the photographs, uh, and if anybody wants to have a look at the, the, the rather graphic photographs of this thing washed up at the beach at Tenby, if you just Google Tenby Monster, T-E-N-B-Y, uh, the, there are plenty of Google sites that link you to it. But I actually spoke to one of the council uh, officers uh, who were part of the beach cleanup team uh, a, a week or so later? Oh, and really? They, they assure me it was it was as it looks in the photograph to be a dog that had been in the water for some days and of course had blown up a little bit and its uh, fur had come off. But it, it was uh, a domestic dog. Okay, there you go. Uh, by the way, a cat from the uh, Pararex chat room says uh, the best tackle scoffing I've ever heard was. I admire your optimism. So <laughs> you made you made points there. <laughs> we aim to please. <laughs> but I mean, so could could mermaids exist? I mean, that's that's the key. It, it, and what is a mermaid? I mean, is is it an intelligent creature? Are we talking on the same level as man? Are we talking on the same level as a dolphin or? Could it, be, could it be above us, though? Because if we go all the way back to the Greeks, of course, uh, creatures, female creatures that sat on rocks and lured sailors to their deaths, um, there's a familiarity there between uh, the sirens and mermaids. So, uh, you know, we, we might be dealing with a, a you know, more supernatural creature. Personally, you know, this, this idea of this topless beautiful woman swimming around with the bottom half of a fish. You know, the, the sailors have been at sea for a very long time. Uh, you know, we're just dealing with maritime pornography. <laughs> you know, is it just an excuse? It's all right, darling, I can look at the topless lady because she's a mermaid. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, they, they've even... Uh, I, I know in Florida they say that uh, manatees with, uh, you know, seaweed on their heads that come up out of the water, and these are supposed to be the mermaids and everything. So, uh, you know, I guess they did have a good portion of rum on board some of those ships, so I, I would imagine that would uh, uh, skew their vision a little bit. You know, it's kind of like in the bar, the more you drink, the the better-looking the woman looks. No, well, the British Navy. I, I know. I know that there is this idea that the British Navy, you know, were, were perpetually bombed out the head on rum, which actually wasn't the case. They were given one ration of rum per day per man. Um, but nonetheless, you know, you've been stuck at sea for months on end. Um, you know, I, I guess this idea of the topless figurine—it's just, uh, you know. Is it just an externalization of their desire? I still think it's pornography with the fish's tail. And having seen, you know, you have a look at some of the images of mermaids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, they're always very voluptuous. The, you know, they've always got the, you know, the, um, the highly idealized female form. But interestingly, if we go back to this evolutionary thing again, 
um, mermaids and mermen, which which of course also exist. Uh, yeah, they never, we never hear about them, though. Well, we do hear about them in mythology, but what we don't hear about is how do they breed. Well, where does, like a... where does the merman keep his bits? I imagine there's a fish. Well, why, why would just that bit evolve? Because the, f- the mermaid's bits have evolved the same as the human female. So Only, what the, only their with... top bits, though. We don't know what their bottom yeah, bits are. Yeah, well, if the top bits are the same as a human female, then one would suggest, that would suggest that they have the same function, unless there's some sort of flotation device. <laughs> That's, yeah, Dolly Parton, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Well, in fact, you know, let's let's be honest. The life preserver is called May West, uh, called the May West for a reason. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, but if we take evolution and we look at it like that, the female mermaid has breasts. Breasts are a mammalian thing designed for suckling young, um, right. which would suggest that 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 we're dealing with some similarity in the in the evolutionary breeding process. But when you look at the merman. Um, there is uh, either the artists have overlooked to give us the information or nature has d- invented a secondary system um, for for breeding. Right. Um, but if you... Let's trace it back, uh, back to the Greeks again and, and the, the, uh, the idea of the sirens, these voluptuous females who would lure men to their deaths by singing, sat on rock singing... I get mermaids are considered to be, you know, unlucky, uh, and mermaids are considered to be rather like fairies, um, that they are something to be avoided, uh, something that will try and lure the human uh, mm-hmm. into a situation that's dangerous or difficult, that they may um, offer, you know, to, uh, there are benefits uh, to, to uh, there are, you know, there are accounts of people who've been abducted by mermaids and taken to undersea uh, kingdoms, uh, places of riches um, or islands off the coast. And that's mirrored very much in, in, in the traditional fairy stories uh, where people are taken into underground worlds and they're bestowed gifts and jewels and then it all goes very badly wrong, um, and they they end up being, you know, taken or abducted or, or harmed in some way. And so there's this dual personality to mermaids. They they're incredibly beautiful, but they're also incredibly dangerous. So I guess actually, you know, female is probably a good form to pick. Yeah, but I mean, we do know that uh, certain sea mammals. Nurse, right? Yes. Okay, so that would explain the upper bit. Uh, well, um, I haven't seen a. I mean, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with with uh, aquatic mammalian physiology, but you know, mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of dolphins, and they're pretty aquadynamic. They're pretty streamlined. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have these. Uh, additional appendages uh, for suckling uh, that only the human mermaid seems, or the the human mermaid hybrid seems to have. Uh, so that would suggest that either as a suckling device they're pretty useless, but as a flotation device they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I guess you're right there. Anyways, um, 
also, Kat, in the, uh, the uh, Pararex chat room says that you don't see the seahorses' bits either. Uh, no, you don't. But then they haven't got four legs. Four legs? Like their, like their land counterparts. Yeah, but so that, uh, very... but that fits them right into the mermaid category, which is they don't have four legs and two hands. But... I mean, two legs and two hands either. Well, if we look at the, the well, if we look at the seahorse, um, and uh, I'm sure everybody's seen them at, at, at uh, aquariums or on television, a seahorse is what maybe between one and seven inches in length, and a land horse is between uh, uh, what, about five and six feet high, uh, which evolved from a, an animal called the Eohippus, which was about the size of a small dog. So uh, maybe when the seahorse evolved from the land horse, uh, maybe it didn't get very much bigger. So maybe mermaids might just be very small. True. I don't you know. know. We, might, we might be looking at a mermaid, you know, possibly 18 inches. I uh, can't. I don't know where you come up with that, but that's... Well, I'm just scaling it back from the horse, you know, horse to seahorse, human to mermaid, maybe, you know, maybe they're just smaller. If they evolved in the same level, but, I mean, at the same rate and the same whatever, it's, you know, it's all conjecture anyways, as far as we know. Oh. The, the other interesting thing about it is, is, of course, that we know that dolphins can help uh, men fish. There are places in, I think, Philippines where the dolphins will drive the school of fish into the uh, nets, and then uh, they will, uh, uh, the fishermen will release them and actually give the dolphins part of the, the uh, catch. So yeah. if there is that intelligence where, where, you know, a creature, sea creature can work with man, maybe it became a little bit beyond that, uh, where the sea creature, I don't know. How did I ever get into this topic anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we, I'll never watch another if, TV show again. I'll tell you that. Much. The, the thing is, let's, let's be honest, having watched, uh, the, we have a series running at the moment on uh, one of the Discovery Network channels called Weird Weapons. Uh, and in amongst that, there was the idea that the American Navy had trained dolphins, to detonate uh, undersea mines to detect yep. detonators. Yep, so I remember reading about that during the Vietnam War. Actually, that's right. Um, surely, surely, if mermaids were real and if mermaids existed, they would have been in a branch of the American Navy by now. <laughs> so I think there's. Con I, I think you know, if we just look at that, uh, you know, why would you train a dolphin when you have mermaids? Um, right. So I think the, the, uh, a good argument against the existence of mermaids is that they haven't been enrolled into the US, US Navy SEALs. Right. And of course, uh, Simon says no one's ever seen the ghost of a mermaid, so therefore that's proof right there. So. Uh, actually, the might... I haven't got time what? to go digging through the shelves, but I'm sure I've heard of an account... Of a, ghost of a mermaid? ghostly mermaid, yeah. Um, I just don't think I've got enough time to go digging through the bookshelves. Oh, that's to find okay. It. Yeah, catch it up for next week, and you can you can okay. let us Give know how, a, how you made out. I'll, so tune I'll in next week. I'll a note to find the ghost of the mermaid. Find the ghost of the mermaid. Yeah, you know, I'm it's sure interesting. I'm sure there is one. 
So, um, Stephen, let, let me ask you this. I mean, you, you quoted that, that many uh, British seamen have seen, uh, you know, crack. And so there's the pizza from the dead, so we got to wrap it up. But you, you said that many seamen from uh, the British seamen have seen krakens and so forth, uh, very, many cases. Well, I mean, if you go on that theory, I mean, you've got to believe in the Flying Dutchman. I mean, King George saw the Flying Judgment, Dutchman. So, I mean... Uh, well, also, one of our, one of our current... Uh, member of our current royal family, Prince Edward, uh, also reported seeing the, the, uh, the Flying Dutchman. Uh, so, you know... <sighs> Well, the royal family do have a long association with ghosts, and one that we can cover in another show. I thought we, we touched we'll on it a few years ago. We touched yeah. on it a few years ago. I think we'll have to go back and uh, look at that. But uh, anyways, uh, I was curious about this mermaid thing, and I, and I figured if anybody would know about it, it would be my good friend Stephen Parsons. <laughs> I don't give perhaps... you time for it. No, that's that's what you're here for. Is I, I want to be challenged i want to be questioned i want to understand more and now uh, we know it, why mermaids have have uh, breasts bit. they have bit yeah, well we know why they have breasts now they're a float we've decided they're a flotation device yeah there you go <laughs> anyway <laughs> so that, that if you have a chance watch the shows I, i'm pretty sure that it's it's not real uh but they're, they're certainly interesting they're they're fun to watch, if anything. They, they make you think. And that's what we're here for, is to think and, and bring up what if and, and try to solve mysteries. And I mean, it's, it's cool. It's cool stuff. It's all cool stuff. And, and I love having you on the show because you're so pragmatic. And, uh, Next week on Mermaids, Mermaid Chronicles International. There you go. You know, it's called Ghost Chronicles, but we're all about the paranormal, anything they're, and everything. They're all in there, too. I particularly right. if we can find this ghost mermaid. Yeah I, yeah, I will leave that up to you. And, you know, I mean, I had Nick Pope on the show before. You know, he is a big UFO guy. And there's the music, so we got to go. But uh, it was interesting when he came on the show, he told us uh, ghost stories, which was kind of cool. I know Nick. He's a good man. Okay. There you go. So Till next week. So, till next week, uh, from uh, Ron Kolick and Steve Batson, I say it's good night and God bless. Good night. And tune in, we'll tell you about the ghost mermaid. <laughs> from ghoulies to ghosties, long leggedy beasties. And things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. This